Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Hey Elevation Church, so great to be with you today. Right now living on the Gold Coast is probably one of the best times ever to be here. From autumn right through to spring, uh, the outdoor eating, and I'm really sorry to have to mention that for our Melbourne West location. Love you guys, thinking of you, but it's a great time of the year. And no doubt, you know, there are very few streets on the main area of the Gold Coast that you can go down without seeing outdoor restaurants and people engaging and laughter and friendships and banter going on. And humanity is at its best when it's surrounded by friendships and family and when it's surrounded by food. You know, food uh, brings out everything that is good and everything that is not so good about us. And when you think about it, it was food that undid Adam and Eve. Uh, A recent research was done on the eating habits of Australians and it discovered this, is that Aussies spend $13.6 billion a year on healthy eating. Um, it's, it's, It's something that drives our culture. Author Tim Chester said this, that American Christians spend more on dieting than on world missions. They spend more on curing their overconsumption than they do on feeding the physically and spiritually hungry of the world. You know, we love our food. There are two pillars of contemporary eating, and uh, the two pillars are the microwave and the menu. So you either nuke it or you order it. And you either go drive through to pick it up or it gets delivered to your home. And so food is central to us. But the good news for all of us today is this, is that food was central to everything Jesus did. You know, when you look into the, the, the book of Luke, there's at least 10 occasions in the book of Luke alone where Jesus encountered people around the table and around food. And all of them were intentional. In Luke chapter 5, he encounters Levi, a tax collector, and he, he talks to him about salvation and evangelism. And in Luke chapter 7, he meets the sinful woman who brings in this alabaster box of perfume. And then we see it in Luke chapter 9, he feeds the 5,000, and that's about mission. We see in Luke chapter 10, he encounters Martha in her own household and around the dinner table, and that's all about discipleship. We see later on in Luke chapter 19, he encounters Zacchaeus, and again, it's about salvation. And even when you think about it, I think this is really, really uh, quite funny, that even in Jesus' post-resurrection ministry, the first thing he says to the disciples when he appears to them on the, on the lake, he goes, hey, do you have anything to eat? And so in a strange way, food and eating and the table was so central to everything Jesus did. And even when you follow the, the, the author, Luke, into the book of Acts, you see so much was done around food. Very early in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that the, the new converts um, uh, met day by day in the temple and breaking bread house to house. And so it was so central in all they did. And the truth be told, if you want to get to know someone, we often, almost always do it first and foremost around a meal. You think about your first date. You know, chances are you ask that girl or these days, you ask that guy, because the girls do a lot of the asking these days, out on a date and it was around food. 
Kathy and I had our first date around food. And um, uh, she got food poisoning from that restaurant and vomited all over the front steps as we ran out of that restaurant to try and get her home. That was our first encounter as a couple, but it was around food because you get to know people. And more business deals have been done over dessert than they have over a desk. And so, so much happens around this. And it's around food that we get to sit together, we get to laugh together, but you get to not just pass the condiments and the, 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 the food around a table, but you get to pass a piece of yourself around the table through conversation. And so the encounter we're going to read from the book of Luke, chapter 22, I want you to understand the context that this is just another encounter when you, when you take in line the previous encounters around food, this is another one. And so, so often when we read Luke 22, we kind of isolate it as its own entity, but it's actually a part of a lesson that Luke is trying to show us about a part of Jesus that I think sometimes we forget. And let me read to you from Luke chapter 22, verses 14 to 20, and it says this, And when the hour came, he, this is Jesus, reclined at the table. Can I just say, how good is a recliner chair? I think there's nothing better than having your own recliner chair. But anyway, I digress. And the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And so Jesus is reclining with his disciples at the table around some food. You know, 60 years ago, the average family, when they would sit down to eat, would spend 90 minutes around the table. Today, if a family even eats together, that it's now 12 minutes around the table. That's if they do. Statistics will tell you that if a family spends time eating around the table, and this is a lesson, I think, for every you know, young family or desiring to be a family, statistics will tell us that eating with family or friends improves your mental health. It causes children to be healthier, happier, more resilient, and more content in their identity. So just think about that. And when you understand you know, where the world is today and the fast pace we have today, you know, even for your family, do you eat around a table, but everyone's got their devices? And the TV's on in the background or there's, you know, uh, uh, you know, distractions everywhere. But when a family will maybe say no to some of the distractions and actually have some interaction around the table, the benefits, the consequences of that far outweigh anything else that we would replace it with. And over the years in Luke 22, you know, as you've read that and if you've been in any church circles for some time, you would know that most people see Luke 22 as the Eucharist or the communion. Uh, in other denominations, it can be mass. Um, you know, 
many years ago, I, I know in the first church that I ever was a part of in Townsville, it was called the Love Feast. Oh yeah, baby, bring that one back. The Love Feast. I mean, it's got a whole bunch of connotations around that one. But there's so many different names for it. The Lord's Supper was another one. For us at Elevation, we normally know it as communion. So, so what does communion mean? This is what it actually means. Translated in the King James Version in the Greek actually means koinonia. And the word koinonia means this. It means a partnership. It means participation or social intercourse, fellowship, communion, distribution, contribution, or to communicate. And so I want you to see and grasp what Jesus is saying to us. And I really believe for elevation, it's a part of our, our new normal as we, as we rethink church, we rethink community, we, we rethink the gospel and its impact upon people's lives. Because in a lot of ways, we've, we've sacrificed the table and we've made it more about an altar. And yet Jesus himself is role modeling something that happened around a table. And when Jesus says to us, do this in remembrance of me, and, and I've been there, I, I've taught this, I, I've, I've thought this, that what he was talking about was the little bit of wine and the little bit of bread that we may get. And in our context, it's normally a little stale wafer that was fabricated and prefabbed to somewhere and now it comes COVID safe communion that comes in a little parcel and you know it's a bit like aeroplane food that you get your little juice with a top on it and a little uh, a wafer and a little its own plastic container and and we think when Jesus said do this in remembrance of me that that he was talking about that one act but what if Jesus was saying do this in remembrance of me do community around a table as you remember me do life together, sharing the stories of what God has done in your life and your spouse's life, your kid's life, your friend's life, that you, that you share one another, that verses that have come alive in your spirit, that you get to share this. And Jesus is saying, do this as you ponder what I've done for you. What if the doing this is far bigger than a little sip of juice and a little wafer? And I've been challenged in so many ways during COVID and now as we begin to, to ease out of restrictions. In this area of my own community and my own uh, um, uh, engaging people in my world that goes beyond just a, a, a quick chat at a petrol station somewhere or a quick chat with someone you know, at, a, at a service on a weekend that maybe God is wanting us more to be people that spend more time around a table where we actually have a space to carry one another's burdens the way Jesus did. So do this in remembrance of me. It's to eat as if Jesus himself was present with us. It's to be present not just with Christ and an awareness of his presence, but to be present with one another. And just that little part there is so foreign for so many people today, just being present with one another. You know, it's one of the things that I've had to address in my own life, being, being present when, when I'm with people, when I'm with a staff person, be present. Don't, don't be elsewhere in your mind and don't be elsewhere because you're a busy person, but being present with one another. John Leclerc, 
I think offers the best definition of the gospel when it comes around the table that I think I've ever heard. He said this, Jesus ate good food with bad people. I mean, you think about this, Jesus ate good food with bad people. And what I love about this was this was such an accurate description of Jesus that someone in his day composed this, uh, 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 this, this jingle about him that uh, in Matthew eleven nineteen you can actually read it. It says he was a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That, that, that's what Jesus was known for. And it was almost like back in Christ's time that people would, would use that as a mocking of who Jesus was. But don't you and I look at it today and go, God, I, I wish that we could all have a more of that, a piece of that in our lives that for Elevation Church, wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if Elevation Church was known as a people who spent a lot of time with gluttons, with drunkards, with friends of tax collectors and sinners, that, that, that you and I, that that was kind of the reputation we were getting, that, that we spent so much time with people doing life and doing the table with people who in the religious leader's eyes were despised and lowly, but in Christ's eyes, they were everything. They were the people that he came for. Jesus' dining experiences became a lifestyle around which he formed a school of disciples. And such that was John's account of the Cana wedding suggests that the wine did not run out until Jesus and his disciples had arrived. The party turned up. The Lord's Supper, communion, this moment that we share together should be understood as an interactive meal which engages the whole community in joyous, celebrative fellowship with God. So if the supper, if communion is a Thanksgiving meal, can I ask you why is it so often the dominant practice for Christians today is to be silent, solemn, sad, somber in these moments? And you think through your communion experience, my communion experience, it's all around a, a, not always, often around a melancholy moment where we kind of, you know, reflect and, and we, we drive home this thought of remembering what Jesus has done for us. And yes, that is so much a part of it. But often we don't understand is that that little part of this moment of communion, it was actually came out of church history. When you think for the first four centuries of, of Christianity, this is the way they did church. This is the way they did communion was around a table. It was a feast. The, the, uh, uh, Acts chapter 2, that they met in the temple. They didn't give away going to services, but they met daily breaking bread from house to house. And so for the first four centuries, this was the way they did life, uh, feasting and laughing and sharing what God had done and testimonies and stories and new people coming in and being engaged in community. But over the years, it, it went from the table to a cathedral. And in the cathedral, it was an altar. And, you know, we, we, we forfeited the, or we swapped the table for the altar. And then, and then in colonialism, it became about the pulpit, which, is, which was one-way communication. And, and then today's church, contemporary church, is all, you know, the theatre-style church where it's all about the stage. And in it all, and I'm not saying any of it is bad at all, 
But I think what we've lost is just this, the power of coming around the table and the coming around in community around this thing called the table. The altar is the dominant model for the supper in today's church. It fosters privacy. It fosters silence. It fosters sorrow. But to revision for you and I the table as a place that fosters community, it fosters interactive communion, gratitude and joy. The, the altar establishes the covenant, but the table celebrates it. The altar produces reconciliation, but the table is the experience of that reconciliation. And so communion, this time, the Lord's Supper, it's not about a ritual. It's not about a method. It's about bringing the joy of knowing Jesus around a table of like-minded people who want to celebrate that together. Communion is not an obligation. It's a celebration. It celebrates the gospel. And when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, and he broke bread and he shared it with the disciples, what he's saying is as you share in this feast, as you come around the table, always understand that what is central is the fact that my body was broken so that yours can be healed. And that's what we celebrate today. And that's the beauty of coming around a table with family and with friends that we get the opportunity to share what God's done in our life with one another. And so I'm going to ask us today in Elevation, would we reframe maybe our thinking, thinking when it comes to the table? Would we reframe again our thinking when it comes to this act of, as we know, communion, the Eucharist, as we come around the Lord's Supper, that maybe it's not just a two-minute part of what we do on a weekend service somewhere or what we might do in a life group every now and then, but maybe God's saying, hey, do this in remembrance of me. When you eat, when you feast, when you gather with family and friends, make sure that I'm central to your conversation Make sure that what I'm doing is evident in the lives of one another. Never forget what I've done for you and enjoy the moment. Enjoy your kids, enjoy your spouse, enjoy your family, enjoy your church community because at the center is me. Let me pray today. Father, I thank you for this gift of your body and your blood. And I thank you, Father, that Although it's such a, a moving part of our faith, but Lord, it should be a part that is so celebrated. Lord, it should be a part that brings great joy to our lives. And so I pray as Elevation Church that maybe, Lord, that we could relook at the Lord's Supper. We could relook at communion and we would understand that it is a table that you call each and every one of us to. It is a table that has been set for all of humanity. And so, Father, I pray that it would, would find a, a place in our hearts and in our lives where again, Father, we gather the, the, from the highways, from the byways, from the brokenness of life, from the upper heights of life to the lowest parts of life, Father, that people would find themselves around your table to hear the stories, to hear the testimonies of lives that have been changed by the grace and the goodness of knowing Jesus Christ. So, Father, we do this in remembrance of you. And we are so grateful that it is you who changes hearts. It is you who melts the hardest of hearts. We are thankful. We are grateful for grace today at our table. We honor you for it in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.